chair staff is ready when you are. Uh, let's go. Okay, I'd like to call this meeting of the Law and Legislation Committee to order. Uh, please call the roll to establish a quorum, and my apologies for being a little bit late here. Thank you, Councilmember Guetta. Aye. Councilmember. Sorry. Councilmember Harris. Here. Councilmember Valenzuela. Here. And Chair Chenier. I and here. I'll give them both. Um, uh, Councilmember Valenzuela, do you want to lead us in the uh, land and and pledge, please? Or will do. Thank you, Chair. So Clerk puts that up on the screen. Please rise for the opening acknowledgement in honor of Sacramento's indigenous people and tribal lands. To the original people of this land, the Nisenan people, the Southern Maidu, Valley and Plains, Miwok, Hutland, Wintun peoples, and the people of the Wilton Rancheria, Sacramento's only federally recognized tribe. May we acknowledge and honor the native people who came before us and still walk beside us today on these ancestral lands by choosing to gather today in the active practice of acknowledgement and appreciation for Sacramento's indigenous people's history, contributions, and lives. Thank you. Now please salute and pledge. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Councilwoman. Appreciate that. Um, let's go to our agenda. I believe we have the log. I'm sorry, I don't have my agenda open. Is that correct, Madam? Yes, on, on your consent calendar, you have one item, which is the law and legislation log. Okay, any comments on the law and legislation log? Yeah, Jay, um, I have a comment. Sure. So on the log is my request to bring back the uh, sidewalk ordinance, which needs some cleanup. I've got a lot of issues with sidewalk obstruction, so I'd like staff to bring that back as soon as possible, please. And with that, I'd uh, move consent. Okay, thank you. Is there a second? I'll second. second. All right, we'll, we'll have three seconds on that, so that would be a sixth. Um, let's go ahead and call the roll. Thank you. That was a motion by Councilmember Harris and a second by Councilmember Valenzuela. Councilmember Guetta? Sure. Aye. Councilmember Harris? Aye. Councilmember Valenzuela? Yes. And Chair Chenier? Aye. Okay. All right, let's go to our. Uh, one item here, which is policy recommendations on ownership, land use, and economic fiscal issues around the cannabis industry. Um, the way we're, first of all, I want to thank my colleagues and all those who have participated in the three hearings that we've had to date. Uh, I think they've been really thoughtful discussions. We're not at the end of this, and I am sure that over time we will continue to tweak these ordinances and regulations and even potentially the charter. Um, but I think that the discussions have been very good, very thoughtful, and at the end of the day will help with our goal of, or our twin goals of, of creating um, and maintaining a healthy industry and then maintaining a, a healthy revenue flow for the city itself. So um, I also want to thank Davina and her crew just at the outset uh, for all the work that they've done with, with this and also EPS as a contractor. Um, has been very flexible with us as we've, we've gone forward. Um, what we're gonna do today is hear from Davina. Uh, she has looked and, and taken all of our conversations that we've had um, over the last six hours of, of this, these hearings and put them into a set of recommendations. And those are divided up into three 
uh, we'll, we'll use uh, the mayor's bucket analogy. So we have three buckets of, of regulations. Thank you for the smile, Ms. Valenzuela. Um, and uh, again, that's ownership, land use, and economic and fiscal issues. Uh, we will go through these and then ask for clarifying questions or brief comments after each of those three um, bucket, uh, three presentations, and then we will go to public comment. Then we will come back and look at the potential of recommendations. I do want to say that, that what I would like to do uh, is pull the consumption item. I know this has gotten some press um, in the last few days and also after discussions with uh, the city manager and OCM. Uh, I personally have not heard and, and have not talked to a lot of council members about this, but have not seen a lot of desire to move this item at this point in Sacramento. If there is a council person either on the lawn ledge or uh, generally who wants um, us to take a look at consumption lounges, then I would ask them to put that, go through the process of putting it on the log and, and let's see where that lands on the council log to see if people wanna move forward with it or not. But at this point, I wanna go ahead and pull that, uh, that issue off the agenda. We have enough to do with what we've got here. Uh, any questions about process from my colleagues? Great, okay, uh, Davina, you are on. Thank you so much for all your work on this. Thank you. Um, I'm going to share my screen now, so give me just a sec. Okay. Um, yeah, so thank you all for being here. It's, it has been a, a nice series, I think, of conversations around cannabis, and I appreciate uh, all of your time and your patience as we go through this. Uh, I did want to let you know the EPS team and um, other city uh, departments are on this call, so if, um, if there are questions, um, they can certainly answer and step in as well um, on, in their areas. Um, um, the chair already went through a roadmap. Um, and this is kind of what we're hoping to do today. Um, I did color code sort of the various things, just trying to break it up a little bit easier for us visually. Um, the first section that we did was our first workshop on ownership. Um, and you'll see that um, as we go through, we're gonna talk about sort of some of the EPS highlights, what, the, um, what our sort of goals are around the recommendations and then the recommendations that were made. Um, our uh, sort of staff recommendations are in bold um, and the slides that have recommendations are a, a different color to just sort of again have those pop out at people that those are the the recommendations that we'll be asking your um, input on and hopefully your votes on. So ownership as we know has been a thing that's been dealing with us for a while on both storefront and non-storefront cannabis dispensaries. Um, I don't think it was a huge support surprise, but I think the surprise for me with the EPS study takeaways were just how quickly the cannabis industry um, really across the nation is um, consolidating, right? It's becoming a lot more complicated with multi-state operators um, and big businesses like Amazon, FedEx, looking to get involved in the cannabis industry uh, once it's legalized at the federal level. Um, we do know, we, we've seen it here, that uh, the industry is evolving towards these complex corporate structures and multi-layered ownership. We've been talking about that with Law & Ledge for over a year on that. Um, and so I'm happy that we're, we're going to hopefully resolve it today, at least for a while. Um, I do want to acknowledge that, um, as we know, no other industry that's regulated by the city has that same level of ownership oversight as we do with cannabis. 
Um, there are reasons, certainly on both sides, for why we would want to have that regulatory and oversight, and you know, reasons on the other hand for why we should perhaps be more hands off. Um, my personal view is I think we need to, of course, find that sweet spot in the middle. Um, and of course, we we are um, you know we we are a little bit unique in that we have some uh, permit types like our storefront dispensaries that are limited, and so direct comparisons with other jurisdictions are difficult to find. But I thought EPS did a good job of bringing forward some of those case studies to help us. Um, think about uh, how we could maybe do this differently um, um, from other cities and counties models. So some of those goals I talked about with our recommendations are to encourage a more diverse and equitable ownership, particularly of a limited permit type, to seek a balance, that sweet spot on regulatory oversight, and really to allow business owners the freedom uh, to invest in their business, to um, get investors and partners in, and to plan for succession planning, right, which is what every, every business wants to do to make sure that they just don't kind of go out of business, lose their investment entirely. Um, you know, I think the danger of that, of course, is that uh, people don't want to invest in a business where, you know, uh, you may make money for a while, but then you, you can't, you can't leave it, you can't sell it, you can't do anything with it from there. So um, that was kind of a little overview of what we talked about in that first workshop. Recommendations at that time, um, we didn't have any specific recommendations to you. We wanted to kind of get feedback from your committee at that time. So at the end of that workshop, we were advised to come back with a menu of options. So this section is gonna be a little bit more um, intense and longer than the other sections because at those times we did have recommendations and we garnered your feedback at those workshops. Um, so this is our menu of options. Um, there was consensus at that meeting that the prohibition on the transfer of storefront um, dispensary ownership should be allowed to expire, um, but we didn't vote on it. You didn't vote on it, so we brought it back here to sort of get the formal vote. Um, and then we have a menu of various ownership transfer options. So B1, B2, B3, B4, B5 are all options that you could vote for, um, and they range from the status quo what we do now, which is the incremental ownership change of businesses holding the dispensary permit is allowed with continuity. We are recommending a modified state version where if there's less than 100% of a transfer involved, um, that's what we will process that. If it's 100% transfer, then there has to be a new application submitted and approved within a specific period of time. And in order to stop, you know, um, a 99% transfer one day and a 1% transfer the next day to kind of get around that 100% transfer. Um, we're saying, you know, you have to hold on to that for six years, once uh, six years, six months after you make an ownership change. Um, we could also limit transfers of ownership in storefront dispensaries to only once a year, sort of like our general plan amendments. We could um, allow transfers of ownerships up to a certain percentage, like 49% or 75%. And anything over that uh, would not be allowed. And then we could sort of say hands off and allow all transfers of ownership um, without any restrictions for storefront dispensaries. And if um, I can, meant, just, mm -hmm. just one thing on process for today, Davina, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, so as she said, this is a little different than the other two buckets, which we had uh, more discussion on around recommendations brought by Davina last, in, the, in the last sessions. But if you could kind of hold on to what do you think we should do different than what staff is recommending, that's what we'll come back after public comment. So just as a key for how we're going to do this. Sorry, go ahead. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, 
And so we, um, as staff, we kind of seized upon this second version, the modified state version. We've certainly heard from stakeholders that they uh, like the state's approach. Um, and so we looked at that and modified it to sort of fit our needs currently at the city. Um, we think this is a way to allow that um, business succession planning, to allow for um, investment to happen, but still um, be mindful of those that desire to uh, not have monopolies and to have that diverse ownership. Um, so that's why we landed upon that one. Okay, so our next, um, our next sort of subject area is the, the, the ownership, right? One person, one storefront dispensary is our current policy. Um, we, we do think that again, it's, it's to discourage monopolies, encourage that diverse and equitable ownership of this, these, this particular permit type. Um, and we also think that, you know, if we are going to sort of change our current um, approach of one person, one storefront dispensary, that we need to disincentivize those who might wanna uh, game the system or uh, exceed those limits. Um, and so for that reason, um, for our recommendation for number two um, on storefront dispensary ownership options, um, we um, are going with B here. Uh, our status quo, what we currently do is one person, one dispensary. And that's as of November of 2019, you can't have ownership in more than one storefront dispensary in the city of Sacramento. Uh, we think that it's okay to have uh, multiple ownership, but I think the, the issue for us is, is whether it, it needs to be not a controlling interest, right? So um, we think B and C both accomplish that. B does that by allowing a smaller percentage of ownership in an unlimited number of storefront dispensaries. C accomplishes that by having a larger percentage in a limited number of dispensaries. So either you can have 20% ownership in a maximum of two dispensaries or three dispensaries or five dispensaries. Um, we think uh, subsection B there, recommendation 2B gives additional um, flexibility for people um, and could allow uh, smaller players to get into the industry with smaller amounts of money to invest. Um, and so we think that might be a good way to go. So, you know, our policy goal for looking at, at, at um, storefront dispensary franchises, this is something that we've been looking at and seeing in other places and seeing how it plays out. Um, and this is sort of um, an offshoot of uh, the EPS uh, studies work on multi-state operators and that consolidation. Um, we think, again, we need to sort of look at franchises and how we're treating them here in the city. Um, because there is a risk of monopolization of a limited permit type. And, and you do want, again, that diverse and equitable ownership. Um, for a lot of franchises, you know, they can have the franchisee will have a different ownership entirely from the franchisor. And so presumably, you know, uh, you know if we're, we're talking about chicken, KFC could have 15 uh, stores in, in the city of Sacramento. And if you go into one of those stores, even though they're all owned by 15 different people, you can only get KFC chicken and say Pepsi products, right? If, if you, you can't get Popeye's chicken, you can't get any other kind of chicken and you can't get Coke there. So um, that kind of limits the, the actual choice that the consumers get. And we think there's value in having a choice and a multiplicity of options for the consumers as well as for business people. So because of that, we're for recommendation number three, 
on storefront dispensary franchises, we have two recommendations. One is 3A and one is 3B1. So 3A is just, you have to let us know that you're a franchise. Um, you may be an out-of-state franchisor. You may be down in Southern California or someplace where we haven't seen you here yet. So we want people to identify themselves if they are a franchise. Uh, 3B1 is the option that we think, um, again, provides some flexibility that you can have a storefront mm -hmm. franchise in the city of Sacramento, but just the one, right? You can't have two or three or four. So you could set up your, um, your one franchise um, and have a different ownership and, and you can do that. Um, but again, that would only just be the one franchisee operating in Sacramento. So we're moving now from storefront dispensary specific recommendations to all cannabis business ownership options here. Um, so defining ownership and tracking ownership are two intertwined um, things that we wanted to talk about here for all, for all businesses. Um, and that's something that we need to sort of align with, with um, whatever practices we decide we're going to do for our storefronts. And then we need to sort of look at how it can work for the rest of the industry. Our goals here are in our making our recommendations are to balance between overregulation and overburdening, right? And, and not overburdening them. <laughs> um, and to conserve city resources by allowing businesses to be self-reporting, um, but also have the ability and the material we need to verify that they're, they've self-reported correctly. Um, we, there's, I think there's a lot of confusion currently over who's an owner. And um, I think it would simplify tracking. We need to simplify that tracking for both us and the, the businesses. And of course, a disincentivization for uh, incorrect self-reporting. So for this, um, we have a couple of, of, of we have two options. Um, this recommendation 4A is what we currently do. Um, this is our current ownership interest definition. And where a lot of the wiggle room ends up coming in is that last clause, uh, which is, and any other interest that demonstrates control, uh, ownership or control, whether direct or indirect. That's, it's really broad. And so that's where, that's the, the big hole that so many of our questions fall into. So we're recommending what we're calling a modified state model. And it's modified because we've added the last three subsections here. So B9, 10, and 11 are what we've added. Um, and those aren't currently in the state's definition. We think the benefit here to identifying um, fairly specifically those who are involved in the control of the business um, is important and again would help remove confusion. So those would be those with legal ownership in the business, uh, board of directors, regardless of whether they are short shareholders in that corporation, CEO or president or an officer, director, vice president, general manager, if they're shareholders in the business, um, let's see. Oh, I think I, no, I think I did some wrong copying here. My apologies. Uh, members and managing members of an LLC, general partners of a business organized as a partnership, franchise or franchisee, um, a management company, if it has any amount of ownership in that business, and then a trustee or trust that owns a portion of the business. 
so that's what we're recommending. We think that will provide uh, quite a bit of clarity um, to the, the businesses and to uh, the Office of Cannabis Management as we move forward in, in permitting and looking at our regulations. For recommendation five under ownership, this again is tracking ownership. Currently, what we do is we have people submit their business formation documents um, and, uh, and, and, and basically all the breakdown of business ownership of 20% or more for non-storefronts and 100% ownership chain, uh, ownership for storefronts. Um, and these, this has to be submitted within 30 days of the business ownership change for us to review for purposes of continuity and approve. Um, as you can see, one of the issues we have is that if we only know those who have 20% or more, it's difficult to know if there's continuity. It's difficult to know if, if you know, that person was on. If you have 10 people, each with 10% ownership, you know, they wouldn't necessarily have to be reported at all under our current, um, our, our current code section. So we think a better approach would be to have disclosure of all owners showing 100% ownership for, for all of our businesses. Um, and then rather than us having to comb through it, you know, we're basically just going to sort of track what people submit to us. And along with what they submit, they're going to have to sign an affidavit that lists the owners and that it's all correct. And that, um, you know, the, the hammer here is that if, they're, if it's incorrect, uh, it can result in an immediate permanent revocation or denial. So we want to trust people. We want people to, um, you know, submit their, their ownership percentages. Um, but we also want to make sure that um, if people are um, not submitting correct information, that there are some consequences. So uh, that's what our recommendation is for number five. Okay, so um, that's what we have, those five recommendations for the ownership. Um, at this time, I don't know if there's any questions on just on those, or shall I go through? No, no, just, let's just stop for a second. Anything to clarify or a short comment? We'll, we'll have time to talk about this in general later. Okay, let's go ahead, keep going. Okay, great. Um, okay, for our second workshop, we talked about um, cannabis business locations, um, sort of the land use um, area um, of, our, um, of our code for, for cannabis businesses. Um, some of the EPS study key takeaways here were um, that um, they cannabis businesses, of course, are limited because of the zoning and the sensitive uses that the city has has in their code. Um, that the can, the businesses themselves don't really appear to be affecting commercial or residential land values over time, as was uh, discussed quite a bit at that particular workshop. There was um, an increase in rents. Uh, in 2018, when that initial surge of applications came in. Um, but EPS's analysis is that over time, those have actually normalized um, and that blip is not being seen. Um, and then of course, that uh, something that was interesting was that interest in indoor cultivation permits may decrease uh, in the city as cultivation is taking off in other areas that um, are more traditionally sort of outdoor agricultural areas the central coast area where they have a lot of greenhouses set up already for um, fruits, vegetables, and flowers, um, as well as the central valley. And then that there are opportunities to expand into other permit types. So those are some of the key takeaways from the EPS study in this area. 
Um, you know, our, our policy goals here, we're really looking at, um, you know, how can we reduce pressure in current zones that do allow cannabis and have a more equitable distribution of cannabis businesses throughout the city. Um, and part of that is really determining if um, our current zoning and sensitive use restrictions are still serving their purposes and um, giving us what we need in regulating these businesses. So from that, our recommendations that um, uh, the, the, the committee members seem to favor or at least want to bring back for, for additional um, discussion was um, a direction to the Planning Design Commission to review those business zoning and sensitive uses. Um, several specific issues that came up that um, might provide additional direction uh, to the Planning and Design Commission were three specific things. Um, so opening up additional zones for storefront and delivery only dispensaries, as well as non-volatile manufacturing. So like infusion and packaging uh, manufacturing businesses. Uh, consider storefront dispensaries in residential mixed use, which is RMX or C3 zones. Um, and consider limiting cannabis sensitive uses to school youth centers, drug and alcohol treatment centers. So between the staff recommendations and the, the recommendations and comments that uh, were delivered by the committee members um, at this workshop, uh, this is staff's recommendation that uh, the committee can bring these forward uh, if they, if, if you wish to. Um, Davina, a quick question on number three yes. there. Mm -hmm. uh, parks are considered a sensitive use currently, yeah? That's correct. And so this recommendation is to drop parks as one of the considerations as sensitive use? To it was to drop not just parks, but um, tobacco retailers um, and, and I, think, I think transit hubs. I think that's the technical term for it. So it's really kind of a, look, a, 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 a request to sort of limit those to schools, youth centers, drug and alcohol treatment centers. Um, and I think part of the thing was the issue around parks was that, um, you know, when we look at parks, it could be um, a green belt. It could be, you know, the American River Parkway. It could be, you know, there's a variety of things that, that are parks in our city and that can trigger this. And maybe we need a more refined definition when we're looking at sensitive uses. Yeah, like neighborhood and community parks, which, which are already known quantities. But the RECO here is to take this to PDC for them to consider and bring back to us. That's correct. Yeah. And the well, other... May, um, may I suggest then that when you take this to PDC, that that is considered, that the definition of a park can be considered, that maybe it's not appropriate around neighborhood parks, but things like the parkway, you know, could be excluded just to get into a little finer detail. Thank you, Davina. Eric? Uh, thank you, Mr. Chair. I think uh, the, I wanted, I think uh, I concur with Councilmember Harris's comments on that. I wanted to ask uh, also the, um, the PDC to review um, the policy on mixed light and greenhouses, uh, you know, particularly in the industrial area, if um, there is going to be, and there's an assessment, at least from, EPS study that there'll be reduction in cultivation, um, then uh, then there's a concern about the more any more production or any more construction of uh, greenhouse facilities that that don't have the same use as the surrounding facilities. Um, I know we took a, we passed a, a, a zoning change to restrict 
agricultural uses and manufacturing sectors and industrial sectors. And so um, I, I, I want to make sure that we're, we're also uh, uh, looking at, uh, at restricting greenhouses in the manufacturing sector, particularly if there's a, if we see that there'll be a reduction in this type of use, then uh, we want to make sure that if, if buildings are, are constructed, that they, uh, they have multiple, uh, multiple uses. Okay, got that. And um, just to, to, to clean up this slide a little bit, um, Zara just reminded me that churches are also a sensitive use for cannabis. And I'm not sure if that's something that uh, the committee wanted to be added back in or not. Okay. All right. Let's keep going, yeah. Okay, think on that. Um, so um, our next set of policy goals that we discussed um, for um, back in the, the workshop on land use was around district-based caps. Um, and the goals here are to remove that economic uncertainty and the financial risk to businesses trying to open under that, that cap um, and to allow better regulation for the cannabis industry as a whole um, as districts can change boundaries over time. Um, so staff's recommendation number seven um, for this area is to, um, oh, I'm sorry went back there, is to allow district-based caps on cannabis delivery only dispensaries to expire. That's the first recommendation under seven, that's seven A. And then for seven B, the recommendation is to remove distribution from the current uses that are subject to a district-based square footage cap. Okay. So the next um, thing that was discussed, particularly in the EPS study, was the, um, was the need for additional shared cannabis facilities. Um, that's something that's certainly seen in a lot of industries. Um, you know, being able to rent a commercial kitchen, for example, can be very useful for those who are getting into food manufacturing um, and, um, and you know, delivery meals and things like that. So we do think that's something of value that it can encourage incubation, development of small businesses, and can really lower the cost of entrance for small businesses into the cannabis industry. And so on that basis, our recommendation number eight is to add to our legislative platform support for the state to allow for shared premises um, besides manufacturing. So the state already does allow shared manufacturing facilities but we think that there's possibility for other types of shared premises, um, cultivation, you know, you could do more with um, uh, storefronts on that, on that realm. So we think that there's, there's room here and that um, the, the legislative platform should be enlarged to include support for that. Okay. All right, so if, yeah, if we go back for a second, so what we yes. got here, not go back, I'm sorry. But when we come back to this, we have a couple of additions that folks would like to make to recommendation number six. Yes. Um, one is around uh, community, neighborhood and community parks and the other, um, and I think airing on the on the, the side of it for today is good thing, is faith institutions to potentially mm -hmm. add that and send that package to PDC. Mm -hmm. Okay, other clarifying questions about this section, Mr. Guerra? 
Uh, yes, on on the um, on the shared uh, space as well. I, I do think that there is a benefit to the the shared spaces, and obviously manufacturing is one. I want to make sure that whatever we do on shared spaces, that a policy that we dive into the policy, uh, and it doesn't have um, that on on enforcement. So if if there's a failure, say on security on a shared space, who's held accountable um, for for that uh, for that? Is there and and who and is it everyone that you pull a BOP because they had, you know, uh, consistent failures in security? So uh, I think that's the biggest concern. You know, okay. So so in as we send this to our lobbyists, uh, making that point around accountability will be critical. But even for even for other, if we're going to start allowing that for local for. Yeah, we, we can't allow it unless the state changes its laws. Mm -hmm. So that's why we're recommending. This is not a city decision at this point. It will no, fair point. A, yeah. yeah, it will be a, afterwards. Okay. Yes. Katie. Thank you. Um, Davina, I noticed in the staff document, there was an additional item on this around city surplus properties and um, was just curious if that was still included in the recommendations and if that was for all cannabis businesses or really targeting core participants. I think I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. That is an area that um, is, so that is in uh, a further slide that's really kind of looking for someone to champion it. Um, we have a, a couple of items that you know, were brought up and discussed, but it wasn't clear to us um, as staff as we reviewed the videos whether there was um, interest in uh, from the committee members in bringing that forward as a recommendation. Um, okay. Well, I am interested, so um, we okay. can talk about. <laughs> Thanks, Davina. Okay. Yeah. All right. No Great. So Eric, did you have another question? I'm sorry or comment. Mm -hmm. All right. Let, let's go ahead and go forward. Okay. Uh, so now we come to the bright dawn of uh, our third law and legislation workshop, which was on taxation and economic issues. Um, the key takeaways were really kind of how, how much of an economic driver uh, that cannabis has become in the city in a relatively short period of time. Um, it is one of the top uh, 10 employers in the city uh, as an industry cluster. It is... Um, a significant contributor to the city's general fund from the business operating tax. Um, and, it, and it does uh, insert quite a bit of money into our local economy. So our goals um, in, in, you know, from the, the, the taxation discussion that we had at the workshop uh, was really to look at, you know, trying to maintain that local cannabis tax rate that's not overly burdensome to the industry, and, but it still kind of provides the city with the funding it's looking for, um, and also to maintain some flexibility to be able to respond to changes that we may be seeing um, soon, hopefully, at the state and at the federal levels. Um, so those were sort of the twin goals that we looked at. And our recommendation number nine, the last recommendation, um, is two-part. So we would um, recommend 9A and 9B. Uh, which is um, to monitor that tax-related legislation and regional tax rates uh, to allow us to make informed decisions, right? So watch it and, and, and come back to you if we think there should be action taken. Um, and then take any necessary steps so that if we recommend that that action should be taken, that we're able to do it quickly and efficiently. 
So I know that's a fairly vague recommendation at this point. Um, I think there wasn't, um, from our review of the, the video, there wasn't a lot of um, specifics, I think, uh, when we talked about it. So um, this is kind of what we're, this is what we, we brought forward to you. If there are specifics that people would like to refine this further, we can do this now, um, or we can um, uh, discuss it um, at a previous day in front of the full council. Um, it's, it's really your choice. Um, so Eric, I'm not sure if, there you go. So Sorry, I, 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 do, I do wanna um, uh, make a statement on this. I do think that we need to be able to retain flexibility in the sense of different sectors of the industry. May, we may want to um, tax differently. Um, doing the same thing for manufacturing as distribution, as dispensaries or delivery doesn't make sense to me and doesn't give us the flexibility we need to be able to um, react at the state level or federal level and changes in law. And I would say also just general changes in the industry. So my recommendation on this, and we can come back to it, is that we put something on the ballot that says uh, tax rates for each sector and naming those sectors uh, can be up to 4%, um, which uh, allows this council and future councils to make distinctions among the different um, pieces. So we're not raising the overall rates. Um, we're not getting into a two thirds vote. Uh, we're just changing the rules within uh, the BOT. And that way, if, if the council thinks distribution should be a 0% or 1%, it could certainly do that. I'll take silence as acquiescence at this point, um, but let's go ahead. Uh, Davina, I think that was great. Let's go ahead and hear public comment at this point, and then we'll come back and again, work through these recommendations um, to see if there are uh, is support for what the city has done. Uh, we made some changes to six and then on the ownership, um, if the recommendation holds that the city has brought forward, we need to look at whether it's a five, 10 or 20% um, ownership change um, that would trigger this. And I, I apologize. I just, um, we do have uh, two more slides really. Oh, I'm sorry. That kind of look at, oh, that's okay. Just to kind of, I think there's some questions uh, such as Councilmember Valenzuela had about some things that were on, sure. um, discussed at previous workshops. So yeah, please go ahead. And then we'll okay, get to Okay, so let me, I don't think you're seeing my screen anymore, so give me a second. I apologize, Ms. Smith. I took your presentation down, so you'll need to reshare. Okay, no problem. Okay. All right, so hopefully you all can see that for future items. Um, so these were things that... Um, we um, were recommendations that the, the, the committee members seemed interested in having us pursue. There are things that we are either working on or need to need to work on um, before we can bring them forward in the future um, to the Law and Legislation Committee, um, or they are items that don't require um, code changes. They're just policy directives. Um, so some of those are things like uh, one and two. Those are our equity um, Core related some issues that we had talked about previously, 
we um, are underway in our equity study. And so we hope to get that data um, and then come back to you with a more comprehensive cannabis equity plan that addresses these two items as well as other items. Um, number three is that odor and cultivation issue uh, that Council Member Guetta had, had discussed at the workshop on land use. Um, and so we're, we're working together with code and then we're also gonna be joining uh, with our building comrades and uh, planning as well as community members to talk about um, how we can better look at odor and track odor and enforce odor complaints. Um, four is uh, security requirements, which again, the committee talked about previously. We are continuing to work with PD on that. Um, and I think we're making good strides on there. Um, our rebate program is um, getting uh, closer and closer to debuting for security upgrades. So that's great. Um, and then I know Council Member Guetta in number five had a, uh, asked us to review options to assist neighborhoods that are impacted by the war on drugs. So we intend to reach out and just tap that, sorry. We intend to reach out to um, some of our, our, our city team um, to, to look at how this could maybe work. And then of course we have six and seven, and these are both items um, that a number of the council members have uh, individually and together um, requested. So part of this is advertising on billboards as well as adult use high THC product limitations. So those two are sort of on a separate path right now. We've been working with the city attorney on that um, and we hope to be able to bring it forward um, to law and legislation at a future date. As far as things that um, aren't ready for consideration at this point, um, and primarily because, uh, as I kind of alluded to earlier, they, they didn't seem to have a champion, um, uh, a council member that wanted to put it forward for them to be heard. Um, one of those was the, um, the item here at the bottom, current surplus city properties that can be used for cannabis. And so um, it sounds like that's something that council member Valenzuela is interested in having as a recommendation. So we can certainly add it here or we can bring it back um, um, and just sort of, I, it's, it's not something that I think would be necessarily a, um, um, a code change, um, but we can talk with the city attorney about getting that information, if there is that information, how, how we can sort of utilize it and bring it forward uh, at a future date, if that would be acceptable. Davina, I also think that that could be a good part of the core discussion that we're going to have, and so maybe we could flag it in there. Great. Yeah, we can definitely put that in there. And, and I actually want to add one thing on the taxation part, which I missed, I'm, my apologies, is um, the ability to treat core employees or core businesses differently on taxation. Um, so it may or may not fall within a, a specific sector, but that I want the council to have the ability to do a lower tax rate over time uh, for core businesses. So that would okay. we want to add that into to the recommendation I had. Okay, so um, right now we have that as, as number two for future right. items. Um, uh, I, I, just because if we do something on the ballot in November, uh, I don't want to, the equity study will not be done and ready in, in that time frame. My, my guess. So I don't want to miss that opportunity. So if we could do something um, on the ballot that provides that, again, that flexibility and opportunity um, it could be filled in later on by, by the data on the equity study. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think we can probably put that in there. I mean, the, the concern is just kind of, I think if, if the, the council and the committee is interested in putting that forward, um, 
you know, we can, we'll work with the city attorney on that. Um, and just, I think, allowing, again, the greatest amount of flexibility to posit those rates at where we need them and, and kind of do the ramp up or ramp down, whatever works. Okay. No, that's fine. That's fine. Okay. Eric, you have now a I will stop share. Yeah. Okay. One last thing to add there, uh, Davina. I mean, right now we have a, a, a application for testing. We have an application for manufacturing, but um, as, as the federal laws change, there will be an opportunity for more of the R&D type of research. And I'd like to see if there is an opportunity or there's a benefit to having a, a different zoning or a different, op, or a different uh, classification for uh, any, of, any, uh, any type of uh, applicant that may be wanting to work with, say, UC Davis and their research or, or uh, Sacramento State that have their graduate programs in, in, uh, in, in applied research. Uh, so I, I just think that with so many people in the industry here, uh, both in, in testing, manufacturing, and cultivation, the expertise of, of folks is going to grow here. And so I, I think that uh, we may be in a good position having so many medical institutions and two large universities for us to, uh, to capitalize on that. And it may be, who knows what, what the congressional outlook will be on this, but I just, I think it would be good for us to, to start thinking about that early on and engaging uh, the universities in that aspect. Great. Okay. Okay. Uh, I don't see any other hands raised, so let's go ahead to public comment. Madam Clerk. Thank you, Chair. The first speaker is Jan Thurston. And how many speakers do we have? I currently have eight. Okay. Hello. I just, uh, I just would like to make a comment that perhaps someone might also be interested in uh, assisting small or very small businesses within the city of Sacramento where uh, they, they do not fit the, uh, they're not a core business, but they're small or extremely small and perhaps without some sort of assistance in some manner, they're more likely to be swallowed up by a large business. And therefore we just have, you know, more and more larger businesses instead of, you know, supporting small business. That's my only comment. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker is Kevin McCarty. Hello, uh, thank you. Uh, Davina and committee members appreciate all that. Um, I think in general, uh, we're moving in a good direction. Um, and it just uh, uh, overarching a lot of the issues, uh, opening up the industry in general is, is good and moving more towards a, a normally regulated business, I think is, is the ultimate trajectory, uh, especially now with the EPS study in hand. Uh, we can see that a lot of the conjecture and speculation about cannabis uh, and its negative harms uh, in the commercial setting really were overblown and have not materialized. And, uh, you know, for things like uh, the ownership, it, it's very helpful to have that clarified. Um, <clears throat> it, uh, even if, even if uh, you know, reporting of 100% of ownership technically is, is slightly more onerous, if it becomes more of a self-reporting system, it starts to accelerate uh, the application and renewal process. I think on, on balance, that is beneficial to uh, the licensed cannabis businesses in the city that can just streamline it. Um, 
rather than everything having to go through, you know, such a meticulous review. Um, the, uh, as far as dispensary ownership, again, uh, more open is better for core and non-core. I think, uh, you know, we should support the core businesses of the city. I think we can do it with, um, you know, more carrot and less stick, so to speak, um, through, so, you know, active support, financial and whatnot, uh, rather than restrictions and, uh, and penalties and, and whatnot. Um, the BOT rates, I think, uh, going to a, a, a different rates for different permit classes is very beneficial, and the progressive uh, brackets for income would be uh, really beneficial as well. Uh, cannabis events, we do need to open up the venues. Thank you for your comments. Your time is complete. Will you make your final comment, please? Yeah, the last thing is just the NRP, which wasn't addressed. I know that that's been said that it will be addressed in a separate venue, but... Uh, Thank you for your comments. Our next speaker is Shannon Horn. And before Shannon goes, let me just say that uh, if you want to speak to this item, please go ahead and raise your hand now. We'll close the queue after this speaker. Shannon Horn. Good morning. How are you all? Good morning. Council members, hello speaker, hi Davina, everyone. My name is Shannon Horn and I'm the CEO of Upward Farms, a cannabis distribution and manufacturing company in District 2. The recommendations being considered today as well as the EPS study do not make the urgent and specific needs of core entrepreneurs a priority. As we witness another delay in the city's work to research the needs of core participants, our struggle to grow with the cannabis industry or enter into the market continues. What we have going on now is that our needs are not being factored into the decisions you are about to make. It appears as if the EPS study is being used to justify decisions that only benefit the dispensaries currently open, as well as other market operators that are mostly non-core. I stand with the More for Core team to urge this committee to stop the delays of implementing core. We need all four of the following access to capital and policies right now. One. 25% of all tax revenues for The state funding is not enough, and we need all of the loans to be converted into grants. Two, extend the deadline for core storefront dispensaries to open. With the important consideration of C3s, the existing operators who want to locate in C3 and other zones. Three, award on-site consumption, and all other licenses exclusively to CORE. The city made a policy commitment to achieve 50% of all licenses to CORE, but four years later, we still have less than 8%. And four, incentivize the existing storefront dispensaries to place CORE participant products on the shelf. Thank you so much. Thank you for your comments. Our next speaker is Kevin Hooks. Hello, can everyone hear me? We can. Uh, specifically want to touch on some things um, with the um, social equity study seems to be the uh, reason to put things on hold when it comes to social equity. Um, the recommendations today being considered as well as the EPS study do not make the urgent and specific needs of CORE. Um, as we witness another delay in the city's work to research the needs for CORE, um, our struggle to grow with the industry and enter the market continues. Um, are the bandages and offering of licenses the only solution? Uh, we lack representation and ownership as well as not part of the workforce. 
Social equity cannot just be about ownership and licenses. The careers and opportunity in the industry are amazing, and we want the city to be directly intentional in progressing that agenda. Um, we ask for 25% of city cannabis tax revenues go to core businesses in the form of grants. The state funding is not enough. Um, we also ask that you extend the deadline for core dispensaries to open with the important consideration of C3 zoning. Core needs funding support as long with more time to possibly be in these C3 zones. Um, another thing we're asking is we want specific language, not broad and vague recommendations. Um, some examples can include incentivizing current dispensaries to carry social equity brands. We cannot force them, but giving them incentive will help both sides of the spectrum. We do not want to wait another six months while UC Davis equity study is going on. We don't want to wait for more workshops like these. We want direct and intentional solutions now. The same way you all would like to come back with informed decisions on taxation, the same should be for social equity issues. If we're going to make changes, there should always be language placed that allows you to make changes and maintain flexibility, as Councilmember Chenier said, based on social equity. And that means intentional solutions. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Next speaker is Lynn Silver. Thank you. Um, one second. Uh, good morning, and I appreciate the opportunity to address the group. Um, my name is Dr. Lynn Silver. I'm a pediatrician and senior advisor at the Public Health Institute. Um, first, thank you for wisely dropping the on-site consumption lounge proposal. We uh, greatly appreciate that, as do many other public health organizations. Second, we have made great progress in ending mass incarceration and developing a system for legal access, which is to be celebrated. But cannabis, despite its valuable medical properties, is also a leading cause of substance abuse and generates significant negative health impacts and health disparities. The goal of city policy should be to establish safer legal access without increasing consumption or social normalization or exposing workers to harm. More is not better, and tempting tax revenues are offset by harms in mental health, youth development, and education that come at great human and financial costs to families, employers, and government. Emergency room visits from cannabis have increased by 53% in California just between 2016 and 2019, and a similar amount for psychosis and delirium from cannabis. Accidental ingestion calls to poison control centers grew eightfold over the last decade, and daily or near daily use by California adults has tripled. Driving up cannabis consumption will result in significant costs in healthcare, motor vehicle accidents, and public safety. Our own research with Kaiser Permanente Northern California also found that use by pregnant women was directly associated with the number of retailers within a 15 minute drive of a woman's home. And there were major disparities affecting black women and younger women. So cannabis businesses should remain out of residential areas and limited in number. We recommend no more than one per 19,000 residents, which is the average density in the over 670 uh, California jurisdictions with caps. We also oppose lifting a cap on delivery businesses for the same reason. We recommend retaining the ability to decline transfers, a lesson from Thank tobacco. you for your comments. Your time is complete. Will you make your final comment, please? Um, just to um, ask that you also uh, proceed with limiting um, THC and flavored products. Thank you for your comments. Our next speaker is Kimberly Cargyle. Good afternoon, council and staff. Thank you so much for your time. 
my name is Kimberly Cargile. I'm the CEO of the Therapeutic Alternative. I would like to say that I do support staff recommendations that are in bold with some recommended additions. Um, the EPS study shows that cannabis businesses do not increase crime. I recommend removing parks and churches from sensitive uses. A therapeutic alternative is surrounded by sensitive uses and we have only increased security in our neighborhood, um, which is vitally important at this time due to violence increases, due to um, the situation that's going on with the homeless population in our neighborhood in East Sacramento. I agree with the previous speaker that we definitely need to um, provide incentives for dispensaries that carry core products in order to have some of the money for retail going directly into core businesses. I also agree with council member Chenier's um, request to put something on the ballot to allow the council more flexibility when it comes to our tax structure here in Sacramento. Um, the industry is suffering. Um, it would be interesting to see the delineation between uh, retail storefront and retail delivery as the last few years with the pandemic has drastically um, decreased sales at my dispensary, which is located downtown where people are not have not been working um, the last few years. Um, and thank you once again to the EPS um, study um, the people who concluded the study, and I appreciate that they did outreach to us. Um, I do agree that the um, city staff. Thank you um, for your comments. Your time is complete. Will you make your final comment, please? Um, thank you for your time, and I would um, request just more outreach and input from the end. Thank you for your comments. Next speaker is Zion at Queen Sheba's. Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, this is Zion Tadessa, the owner of uh, Shashaman Institute on Florian Road. Uh, right now, I have a cultivation manufacturing distribution uh, um, CUP right now. So uh, my, uh, my message to everyone when it comes to core businesses is that it is important for, especially for core participant businesses like me and everyone else, we need to have at least funds, 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 funds. In order to do that, we need at least 25 or more percent of the tax revenue for the city should go to the core participant because the fund and the, uh, the uh, resource is important to us. And secondly, we need to extend the, core, the uh, uh, storefront not only just extend, we need to have another uh, uh, at least 30, up to 30 um, front store licenses for core businesses. And we also need um, uh, for the lounge, uh, specifically, especially for core businesses, uh, if you guys can give us the lounge licensing, we can uh, specifically do like membership or executive uh, businesses for people who really wants to use on-site consumption. Also, uh, we need our products, especially core participants, to be 
on the shelf of everyone because we need that support. We're starting from scratch. Our business is starting from scratch. We don't have the funds. We don't have the resources. So we need the city to focus on our businesses, especially core participants, to give us the right funds, the right resource, the right licenses, the right space that is really uh, overdue right now. We've been working so hard the past uh, three, four years ever since. We're still struggling when it comes to fund. We're still struggling when it comes to licensing. So we really Thank need to Thank you for your comments. Focus. Your time is complete. Will you make your final comment, please? Yeah, we need a focused intention, the city members, to be able to put some funds into our businesses. Thank you for your comments. Our next speaker is Joseph Devlin. Hi, good afternoon, um, Mr. Chairman, members of the committee um, and staff. Thank you for your work on this. I'm Joseph Devlin on behalf of the Northern California Cannabis Alliance, representing a very broad um, association, including every single license type, um, mostly here in Sacramento. Um, overall, appreciate all of the work. Um, however, I guess I would just kind of ask the committee to consider what is the public policy goal and what is the interest in the problem that we're trying to solve with some of these recommendations. I think it's fair to maybe um, consider that, you know, our first attempt at a wheel looked a little bit more like a square. And instead of kind of just taking that wheel off and putting the round one on that the state has provided, um, we're continuing to sharpen the edges. Um, and so some of the recommendations that I think seek to help small businesses um, continue to layer on additional regulated, regulatory requirements. And if you want diversity um, and to protect small businesses in Sacramento, you're never going to be able to do it by placing additional requirements on them. Um, the kind of the tidal wave of public uh, equity money and out and lingering um, is not going to be held at bay by making it more difficult for operators uh, that are here currently. Um, so the things around uh, ownership transfers and licensing and all that, I think the state has provided a very efficient framework um, and we only need to, to replicate what the state already um, has put forward. So thank you very much for your time. And again, um, would uh, second, um, Kimberly's um, uh, comments, as well as thank Councilmember Chenier for putting forward the consideration of a ballot measure. Uh, thank for you for your comments. Your, thank you for your comments. Our next speaker is Mindy Galloway. Hello, can you hear me? We can. Um, thank you, Council, for the time um, and for staff for recommendations in the APS study. Um, I do support many of the staff's recommendations and the work that was put in. I do urge um, the city council and staff to create an urgency around um, reduced tax rate for the small businesses and for core businesses. And that is um, the number one problem. We want to create a sustainable um, and 
um, the availability for businesses to thrive. Many businesses are going out of business in our industry. And I think the EPS study did a really good analysis of um, what the larger companies and the corporations are doing to small businesses. And that is including Nicor equity community. Most of us are small businesses and we would like to stay alive and, and be able to continue um, providing quality medicine and education to consumers. So I strongly urge you to consider um, reduced tax, rate, tax rates or tax credits, um, especially to small businesses or core businesses, so that um, you know we can we can be able to survive. In addition, provide tax credits um, or help and support to the retail dispensaries who are um, having core products on their shelves. We very much need a shelf space and avenues in order to sell our products so that our brands can create visibility with smaller marketing budgets than the larger companies. Um, so uh, if you can you know, push that forward, um, like the recommendation of taking it to a ballot measure in November, please don't um, wait for this tax measure. We, we need assistance and we need relief um, immediately. Thank you for your time and for considering uh, my suggestions. Thank you for your comments. Our next speaker is Michael Snell. Michael Snell. Malachi Siku Amen. Malachi, if you'll unmute. Okay. Uh, can you hear me? We can. Greetings. This is Malachi Amen. I am director of the Institute for More which is a voice for the thousands of residents in Sacramento who were harmed by the city's racialized enforcement of cannabis. Uh, this committee is not making the immediate and specific needs of core communities a priority in the recommendations emerging from the EPS study. Uh, the core communities also have immediate needs. So we're urging this committee to shape all four of the following access to capital and policies right now. One, we need direct investment in core businesses. As the city considers its racial equity policies, reparations, and community reinvestment with local cannabis tax revenues, we believe it's time to be intentional with action. So we're requesting that 25% of all city cannabis tax revenues go to core business grants. The state funding is not enough and we need all of the loans out right now to be converted into grants. Number two, we need to extend the deadline for core storefront dispensaries to open with the important consideration of C3 zoning, core needs funding support, along with the same time as the existing operators who want to locate into C3 and other zones. Uh, number three, we need some intentionality in the licensing for all cannabis license types so that they go exclusively to core. The city made a policy commitment to achieve 50% of all licenses to core, but four years later, we still have less than 8%. And finally, 
we're asking the city to incentivize the existing storefront dispensaries to place core participant products on their shelves. We're urging Thank you, you to do comments. more. Thank you for your comments. Your time is complete. Will you make your final comment, please? We're urging you to do more for CORE right now. Thank you. Next speaker is Diana Garcia. Diana Garcia. Yes, hi, good afternoon. Uh, thank you everyone for your time today. The study was completed and numbers do not lie. Lower taxes on all levels, it's time. Thank you, Mr. Chenier, for the suggestion of the ballot. Um, we would be very happy to see that on a ballot. And as a voter, I would love my chance to vote at it. Um, I think there should be no limits on the time that the core uh, dispensaries have to hold 51%. We're getting ready to make this big change here for all the other dispensaries. I think that core should not be left out. We should not be left behind like usual. It should be equal across the board. If an opportunity comes up for generational family wealth, core should not be left behind. Um, the sensitivity area for churches and parks, I believe that you know we should follow what the state put. This, again, the state has put about uh, churches and parks and look at what the state has. I also look at what the state has for ownership transfers. The state has nothing in there about ownership transfers for core is different than for a regular business. And I don't know why we're constantly trying to hold the core people back. We're supposed to be lifting them up. And I think that we should have an incentivized program for all retail licenses to that work with core pro, um, companies. They should get some type of tax break, some type of application break, some type of incentive for helping us out and giving us retail uh, shelf space. That's it. Have a great day. Thank you for your help. Thank you for your comments. And Barry Boyd is our final speaker on this item. Thank you, Mindy. I'm not certain if you can hear me or not. We can hear you. Fantastic. Thank you. Um, I do have a couple of uh, requests to the recommendations um, in regards to ownership. My thoughts are a maximum of 25% if multiple owners uh, are in uh, come into play uh, so that that holder of let's say the 25% if there are how many ever multiple uh, owners doesn't feel that they have the controlling stock or controlling uh, partnership in the uh, business and uh, if you would put in detailed language stating if any uh, entity, whether it's um, business-wise and or family-wise, that a maximum of 30% can only be had between the commonality partners, i.e. they have multiple LLPs together and or and or our family members, whether they live in the same household or not, again, giving a maximum of 30% for any um, commonly held uh, in interest entities. Um, and unless I missed it, I didn't see any recommendations in regards to the um, uh, tax collection uh, processing and on time 
payment of the BOTs for cannabis um, after after the uh, auditor's report showing the the pretty lax mannerism of, of how some of the uh, BOT tax collection was being done for the cannabis industry here in Sacramento, I would like to make sure that that those recommendations from the auditor's office are being addressed. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Chair, I have no more speakers. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Appreciate that. I appreciate all of the, um, the speakers who've come forward. Um, we do have the equity study that is happening, and I'm going to ask um, Davina to talk a little bit about the timing on that. Um, that's why we put some of these issues into the parking lot um, or bike rack or whatever you want to call it. We want to get the good data on that. Um, but let's go back to members of the committee and um, we'll, we'll again start over. I think that Davina has updated the slides to take the recommendations of this committee um, into account. I think we still have some decisions to make and um, we can go from there. So um, Katie, did you wanna say something before we get started or is this for the first piece? No, go ahead. Okay, Davina, if you want to put up, I don't know if you have a separate slide just with the recommendations or? Yeah. Okay. So so we'll just go through these kind of one at a time and, and see uh, what folks feel about them. So recommendation number one, if we can do it that way, would be great. And if we don't have comments, I'm going to assume that we're good with it. So recommendation one, we're good with. Recommendation number two. Okay, let's keep going. Franchises, any comments on this one? I do have a, uh, yeah. Mr. Chair. And, yeah, go ahead, please. And I, I think we should move forward with this one, but um, I do have a concern um, in sometimes the franchisee, the franchisee structure um, could, uh, you know, uh, while it might have an opportunity for have a, maybe a lower entry to barrier, a barrier to entry. Um, I, I, again, I, I feel I'm concerned about other bigger entities coming in and uh, creating a, a other de facto monopoly. So, I'm ready to move forward, but I, I do have some of those concerns that I'd like to talk to staff as we go to council on the just the franchisee issue. Sure. And this will go to council, uh, Davina, the 26th, is that correct? Um, no, so we'll, it's the 24th. We're, 24th, we'll be bringing um, yeah, an overview of the EPS study and then the recommendations. And then if the council is still in favor, then we will go back with uh, and work with city attorney's office to draft um, whatever we want to draft for the code. And just for members of the committee, we do have an option. We do have a, a meeting, a regularly scheduled meeting next week. If there are things that we want to clean up um, or talk more about, we can also put them over for a week if we need something. But okay, but thank you, Mr. Gear, on this. Let's go to the, the next recommendation. This is the ownership piece. Mm -hmm. Mr. Chair, again, this on this one here, the again the the question that we may want to add is uh, also on franchisee versus the actual owner. You know, uh, I, I think just clarifying that would be helpful. 
Okay. Next. Okay, I think we're good. And I, I don't know if we added on this one, the, uh, the uh, aspect of, uh, oh, you did, there it is, number four, mm -hmm. appreciate it. Mixed, mixed light issues, thank you. Yep, as well as the R&D facility, uh, the addition of the neighborhood and community parks as a sensitive use and faith-based institutions. Yeah, okay, um, Katie. Yeah, thank you. I um, don't know if I, fully understand. I, I supported, I, I'm glad we took the transit centers out. Um, I don't really know about faith-based institutions and sort of the policy argument, because I think if they were a youth-serving institution, they could probably make the argument that they were a youth center and get a distance through that measure. So I don't think I support that. Um, so I just want to make sure that's fully reflected in the comments to the PDC when they consider this. No, great. And, and obviously the council will have another shot at this. Well, two shots, that. one before it goes to PDC and then one with PDC's recommendations. Okay. Yeah. And I think part of what I've appreciated about this EPS process and Davina's stewardship and yours chair is really thinking about the policy. Like what is the actual justification and impact that we're trying to mitigate? I think youth is very obvious. Um, drug treatment centers obvious, um, but other institutions, it's a little less um, clear to me um, what the impact is if they don't fall into one of the two other categories. So um, it's... And, and I will tell you, I agree with you both on faith institutions and on parks. I'm not sure that that's a sensitive use in this format, but I'm happy to be have the council be able to have that discussion and PDC. Eric? Yeah, on the faith-based, you know, institutions as well, there are many, at least, that use, uh, that are in the industrial area using uh, uh, some of the commercial space um, mm -hmm. as uh, uh, locations. Uh, we might, by, again, I think we're, what we're trying to do is expand uh, options. We also might be uh, limiting, say, a lot of strip malls where we do also have some churches in, in, in those or, or faith-based institutions in these strip malls, these small little pocket um, uh, locations, and so we actually might uh, uh, be even more restricting um, with that aspect. But. That's a good point. Thank you. Um, okay. And Eric, is that still your hand up, or is that new? Great. Okay. And on the shared, oh, hold on one minute, Mr. Uh, Chair. Yeah. I, just, I wanted to uh, be able to read this clearly here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what you wanted, uh, the last clause here, while still including security and accountability requirements. I think that. Perfect. Very good. Yeah. yeah. And I, I agree with you. I think on shared facilities, someone's got to be in charge, right? Someone has to be accountable. So, okay. Uh, Katie? I just wanted to flag because I didn't make comments during the earlier portions, leaving space to the end, that I'm really supportive of the shared space and anything we can do in our office. Heard it from a lot of core participants on that. So thank you for that. Great. No, I think it's it's potentially huge if we can get there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. 
Okay, and that's and then, the let, let, me ask, let me ask folks one other question on the tax rates, because there is another issue, and this was brought up by a couple of the speakers. And I thought about this some, um, we didn't put it in here, but we could also have a graduated tax rate depending on the level of business that you're doing. Um, so should we, if somebody's doing $100,000 of business a year, should they be paying the tax rate as someone who's doing a million dollars a year? So I, I don't know if there's feedback from any of the council members. Katie, did you wanna? I mean, I think that there's sort of a natural gradient when you do percentage based on sales or receipts, um, but I, I appreciate where you're going with that chair and would be interested in hearing more from staff on, on that for sure. So Davina, if you could add that in there and when we get to council, if this is okay with folks, we'll, we'll have that discussion. Okay. So that would be a, a third piece. Yeah. I'm just going to hope you don't mind the sausage making here. No, that's great. <laughs> okay. So, Jay, I have a comment about that. Yeah, sure. Yeah, go uh, ahead, please. You know, I, there is no other business where there's a sliding scale on taxation, uh, depending upon gross sales. It's an interesting idea, but, uh, uh, you know, there probably is a lot of uh, legal issues around this. So I'd certainly want our city attorney to weigh in. Okay. No, that's, that's totally fair. Um, you know, and, and, and part of that in my mind is because we, we are treating this industry differently, right, on our BOT. Uh, what, they, what they provide through BOT is way more than anybody else, uh, any way you look at it. And for example, should there be a cap on their BOT? And I, I, don't, I don't have the answer to that, but I think it's worth a discussion. Yeah, and I think we already do that for BOT for other businesses with the cap, but I also think what you mentioned, Chair, it's sort of impromptu, so I'm just going off the cuff, reminded me of how we treat like income tax in California, right, where we treat, you know, folks who earn over a certain amount a little differently than folks who earn under 4% when you have 100000 a year is different than when you're making $100 million a year, so um, just... Uh, definitely interested in thinking about that and getting staff's opinion on it because it yeah. could be an intriguing idea for more sectors as well. Okay, Eric. Yeah, the other, I mean, I, I, I remember, I think it was Prop 54 on the tobacco tax. Um, uh, obviously, that's a, that's a, uh, a commodity that, that we uh, did uh, uh, an increase in taxes to reduce the usage. Um, the uh, interesting aspect of that is also created um, a avenue of money specifically for uh, expanding diversity also in healthcare and uh, diversity in doctors and so an outreach to the community. So I, a number of, of, of public health benefits. So uh, I know that uh, there are questions in the tax structure, but I'd, I'd like to, as we move forward, we'll explore those. Okay. Um, okay, I think that's the last one. Um, what I'd, what I'd also like to do, so this will be a package that will go to council for council to, to consider. What I'd like to do, Davina, is if we could also, and um, our office will be happy to work with you, go back to uh, a lot of the comments that we heard from the public and provide some discourse on those so the council, because I'm assuming and imagining that we will, we will hear those comments again at council, which is totally appropriate. Um, I'd like to be able to have some discussion on those items as a piece of the presentation that we do at council. Uh, I wanna make sure that people know that they were heard. There are some things that 
I think um, we could do, and and we can talk about that along the way here, but certainly for council. Yep, we can do that. Thank you, appreciate that. Um, I do not see any other hands raised for this, um, except for Ms. Valenzuelas. <laughs> Thank so, you, Chair. Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, well, first, I just wanted to add my accolades to you, Chair, and to staff and the EPS team. This was a really well-managed process for a very complex policy area. I also do want to say, just because I didn't get a chance to before, that I am interested in talking about consumption lounges. I think specifically thinking about them, which may be inferred, but it's never been said explicitly to me as linked to dispensary permits so that you have somebody who's already operating or has permission to operate a dispensary, having an area set aside. I've gotten some tours from folks who are thinking about doing this in Sacramento and think it could be really interesting. So um, I am going to probably bring this up on the log to bring back. Um, so hope that we can have that discussion soon as well and keep that conversation rolling while we're in the spirit of things here, um, including several core participants um, and several existing sort of legacy dispensaries who have some really neat ideas for how to incorporate that into the model. So understanding all the questions and concerns that will be raised on it, just wanted to let my colleagues know that I will fly, bring that forward for the log to see if we can bring that back for discussion. Councilmember Harris. Yeah, Chair, you know, with all the work that we've done on cannabis here and with the EPS study, I begin to wonder whether the intensive audit activity that we do on the cannabis industry is warranted moving forward. This may not be the appropriate venue to bring it up. I know Jorge is doing uh, a presentation this evening at Council. I'll probably bring it up then. But I think his resources would be better used now that we're really moving forward on comprehensive policy and policy changes. I'm not sure that uh, that we need a full-time auditor in the auditor's office to monitor cannabis. Um, Just a comment, Jay. No, I, I'd be supportive of your viewpoint on that. I think that was kind of a reaction and needed at the time. I'm not sure that we need to treat cannabis differently in this sense than we treat everyone else. So, yeah. Well, that's cool. I like agreeing with you. <laughs> All right. Um, I think that it's, that's it. Do, do we have uh, comments from any of uh, our committee members? Okay, with that, uh, we have a meeting next week, uh, which will be back to a regular meeting. Davina, any closing comments from you? Yeah, I was just, um, I don't know procedurally if we needed to take a vote um, on the, the slate of recommendations I'm to sorry. be advanced. Uh, okay, thank you. I appreciate I'll, that. I'll move the item, Mr. Chair. I'll second the item, okay, Mr. We Chair. have a motion and a second. Madam Clerk, please call the roll. Thank you, Davina. Councilmember Guetta? Aye. Councilmember Harris? Aye. Councilmember Valenzuela? Yes. And Chair Chenier? Aye, and we're adjourned. Thank you very much. Thank you. Have a good day. Thank you, Davina. Great work. <laughs>